This episode of the Consulting Pipeline podcast is brought to you by me, Philip Morgan Consulting. Hey, if you are trying to, uh, <clears throat> you know, climb out of the crab bucket of being a, f a generalist freelancer by specializing your business, then you've got lots of stuff that I've created to help you do that. You've got the positioning course, you've got the positioning manual for technical firms. And if you're frustrated with going it alone, if those sorts of tools are not enough to get you where you want to go, then you might be interested in my positioning accelerator program. That's a group program. I have two groups of five people we meet weekly right now. And the whole idea is to surround yourself with more support so that the, the challenges and the difficulties of deciding how to specialize and actually doing the work of specializing become hopefully easier or they happen faster or they're just less stressful because you have some high quality support around you. You have things like other people going through the same sort of process you are. You have me there in a Slack channel and once a week on a group video call providing um, guidance and helping you sort of deal with those, that multitude of little judgment calls that you have to deal with along the way. So if that sounds interesting at all, I'd like you to head over to positioningacceleratorprogram.com. Again, positioningacceleratorprogram.com and check that out and see if it's a good fit for you. For today's episode, I wanted to go a little deeper into something that occurred to me this morning, uh, literally while taking a shower, <laughs> as a result of yesterday's episode. Yesterday, we talked about this idea of alignment. And would it be a good idea if you find some sort of, let's say, a juicy, attractive way to specialize that is effective for lead generation, but probably would only result in small projects? Would that be a good thing to do, to specialize in that, even though it takes you away from your core competency? And the core competency might be where those larger projects uh, start to show up for you. And essentially, I said, not sure that's such a great idea. But as I said, while I was taking a shower this morning, <laughs> some additional thoughts occurred to me. And this is, uh, let's see, context. This is something that was not immediately apparent to me. Even as I was writing the first version of the positioning manual back in, gosh, I don't know, um, December of 2015 or something like that. I think that's when it first it came to market was like January 2016. Crap, I am getting all off on the dates. Let me see here. Um, this is something you may not know about me, but I am so bad with dates that I have to write down stuff that happens in my own life <laughs> for future reference later. There we go. 2015. Okay, January of 2015, not December of 2015. January 25th of 2015 is when I had the first sale of the positioning manual on Gumroad, which is what I was using to sell it at the time, no longer. Anyway, uh, even when I was writing this, this book, which has been very well received and very effective at, start, at trying to accomplish what I hoped it would, which is help more people gain the knowledge and courage to narrow down and specialize their focus, even when I was writing that book, this wasn't apparent to me. And I made the error of, at that time, thinking that there really was one way to specialize, which is to go all out into what I now call a, a horizontal expert. 
that's sort of like saying there's one way to drive down the road and it's going 100 miles an hour and that's it. There's no other acceptable way to drive a car from point A to point B. You either go 100 miles an hour or you get off the road because you're not doing it right. And <laughs> I mean, I wasn't quite that dogmatic with it, but th that really is the equivalent of the sort of thinking that I embraced at that time, which is that if you're going to specialize, you just should go all the way. Fully, fully hyper narrow, so specific that, you know, your target market is like uh, 100 companies worldwide. And I believe there are uh, people, and I know for a fact there are people who make a great living doing that. But I think if that's your model for how specialization works, you're really sort of taking that off the table as an option for a lot of people who would benefit from a different sort of specialization. So again, in, in the shower this morning, I started thinking about this, uh, you know, what for me has been a sort of slow realization that there's, I guess we can hopefully not oversimplify this, but definitely simplify it and say there's two sort of thresholds of expertise. So when you cross either one of these thresholds of expertise, things change in a meaningful way, in a, things get better in a meaningful way for you. So the first threshold of expertise is that you have narrowed your focus enough to differentiate yourself from the ocean of other self-employed software developers who are out there saying, hey, I know how to, I'm a Rails developer, I'm a Python developer, I'm a full-stack developer, I'm a front-end developer. Like Those are the sort of labels that you'll see your competition apply to themselves. And you know, if you're, if you're applying for a job, that works. But that doesn't work so well when you're trying to find clients who see you as meaningfully different from all the other developers out there, and they become motivated to pay more than the going rate for your expertise. So that first threshold of uh, specialization is just enough specialization to meaningfully differentiate you from the competition. And the more that I've worked with people, the more I've realized about 80% of people who are generalists and who do want to specialize that, I mean, not everybody wants to specialize and that's fine. But those who do about 80% of them are best served by achieving that first level of specialization, which for most people that just looks like focusing on a market vertical or focusing on some kind of target audience. Like that's what it looks like. I am not a rails developer. I am a rails developer for uh, shipping companies. I am a rails developer for, um, you know, e-commerce companies that need to customize something or whatever. Those are all examples of verticals, right? So just that level of specialization is often all it takes to create meaningful difference between you and just the ocean of competition out there. The second threshold is much higher, but I really want to be careful to say it's not better. Some people are very well served by just trying to get over that first threshold of, of uh, specialization, which is where they, when they become meaningfully differentiated from others. The second threshold, though, is world-class expertise. So uh, my friend Jonathan Stark, I think, is the first person who sort of put those words together that, in that way, world-class expertise. And um, I'm really grateful that he did. I don't know, I think he just sort of casually mentioned it and I sort of latched on into it because I'm like, ah, that, that is the, I think the ideal way to define the threshold we're talking about here, which is 
you've uh, probably, in this situation, moved uh, through having some kind of specialization that is perhaps focused on a market vertical, and now you're focused on some kind of problem that is meets a couple of uh, criteria. To you, it's a fascinating problem. It is interesting enough that you might even refer to it as your life's work. And to your clients, it is a relevant and a costly problem that they are motivated to do something about. And your level of, of credible expertise, meaning you can credibly say, I have you know, expertise in this, is high enough that they will pay a, uh, a premium or super premium uh, price for access to that knowledge. So that's the second threshold of specialization, which is where you are either pursuing or you currently possess and are selling access to your world-class expertise. And it, I mean, it's honestly, it's a little embarrassing for me to admit that when I started out helping people with this issue, my tacit assumption was, well, everybody wants that. Doesn't everybody want to be a world-class expert? <laughs> and it was, I won't say a rude awakening, but it was a little bit of a surprise to me at first to realize, well, no, not everybody wants that. In fact, um, a lot of people, I think it's, honestly, it's more of a belief than anything, but a lot of people believe that it's just out of reach. Like, I don't think it has to be out of reach. I think it can be obtained. And I think what's interesting about the world is, is that as it, in a way, it gets smaller thanks to, you know, digital connectivity, but in a way it gets bigger and more diverse and more fragmented. And so as that happens... The opportunities to become a world-class expert in something where there wasn't already a world-class expert, uh, those opportunities increase. They, they um, multiply or magnify as time goes on. So it's not like a shrinking pie where there's ever more people competing to be considered a world-class expert in ever fewer things. It's actually ever f more opportunities to become a world-class expert in something, but you have to care uh, kind of a ridiculously lot <laughs> amount. You have to compare. You have to care a ridiculously large amount about the thing. And unfortunately, I mean, or it's just the way of the way of the world. It's not enough just for you to care about it. It has to be something that produces value for uh, for people who have the money to exchange for that value. And that's where it gets a little tricky, I think, because. There are certainly a lot of people who care deeply about things that have, unfortunately, very little or no real economic value. And that's where the world starts to seem like a little bit of a cruel place. If you care so deeply about something that is difficult or impossible to monetize. I think there's two corresponding sets of motivation that go with these two thresholds of specialization or thresholds of expertise. One is like, I want a better business. Like I, I hear this constantly. Every, everybody who works with me fills out an uh, intake survey where I ask a bunch of questions about what they're trying to accomplish. And I can tell you for a fact, nobody wants to uh, endure the risk and the discomfort of specializing or essentially changing the status quo in their business. No one wants to endure that unless there's some sort of carrot or reward on the other side of it. And, you know, ha having an easier time with business development or 
having an easier time charging a decent or even premium rate for your services. Those are the common motivations. Those are the reasons why people are willing to undergo this not so easy, uh, challenging work. And so that sort of corresponds with that lower threshold of expertise, which is where you have a meaningful difference between you and your competition. And your motivation probably to get there is, well, I just, I want a better business. You know, I've, uh, I won't not name names, but I've had people tell me that this idea of specializing is life-changing. Like it, it pulls their business out of some sort of stagnation that, they're, that they feel that they're in. I've heard that from more than one person. The, the motivation, though, for that world-class expertise, uh, there's probably a greater diversity of motivations there than I'm really um, hip to. Like, my motivation is understanding and mastery. And I think that motiv same motivation is shared with a lot of people who are, who are wanting to become a world-class expert in something. But not everybody. I think certainly there might be a more mercenary kind of orientation among some who are like, well, you know, that's the best option I can see for making a lot of money, so I'm going to do that. Or, um, you know, I guess there's sort of negative uh, motivators like, oh, my parents, uh, you know, set me up with this mental and emotional guilt trip. <laughs> like if I'm not world-class at something, they're not going to love me or some, something like that. Sure, I'm sure that's out there. But I think for most, I think it's fair to say there's some sense of real satisfaction in obtaining deep mastery and, uh, and being able to use that to help others. So there you go. Uh, just to quickly summarize, two real thresholds I see out there in the world of people who are interested in specializing when it comes to their, uh, the kind of expertise they need to acquire. One is just differentiating from the competition. The other is world-class expertise. Two sets of motivations. I want a better business, or I want really, really deep mastery of some subject. If you have a question that is at all about positioning, at all about marketing yourself as a self-employed software developer, at all about this weird world of, let's say, uh, marketing automation or email marketing, let me know. In fact, dial the following number, 707-204-0717. Speak using your beautiful, wonderful voice, your question into the voicemail box, and I will answer it live on air. Again, 707-204-0717. See you next time.